Three COVID-19 vaccines have now been approved for the United States. The challenge is getting them distributed. Logistics companies continue an economic expansion and customer demand brings new investments by supply chain vendors. Pull up a chair and join us as the editors of DC Velocity discuss these stories as well as news and supply chain trends on this week's Logistics Matters podcast. Hi, I'm Dave Maloney. I'm the editorial director at DC Velocity. Welcome. Logistics Matters is sponsored by Material Handling Systems, a single source systems integrator based in Kentucky. MHS is driven by a customer first mentality to go above and beyond for distribution and fulfillment operations. They provide automated systems that combine robotics, sortation, software, controls, and more with full support over the entire system lifecycle. To learn more about MHS, please visit mhsglobal.com. As usual, our DC Velocity senior editors, Ben Ames and Victoria Kickham, will be along to provide their insight into the top stories of this week. But to begin today, it's one of the biggest logistics challenges in history. We have all heard of the difficulties of delivering COVID-19 vaccines to hundreds of millions of people in our own nation, not to mention billions more around the world. Where are the roadblocks and what could be done to get vaccines distributed more quickly? To address those questions, here is Ben with today's guest. Ben? Thanks, Dave. That's right. Uh, we have with us today uh, Bill Brooks, who's the Vice President of North America Transportation Portfolio at Capgemini. And uh, Bill works with uh, clients to develop and drive efficiencies in the transportation and logistics space uh, by leveraging new technology and solutions. Uh, thank you for joining us today, Bill. You bet. Nice to be here. Thank you. Uh, we're starting to see, as David mentioned, uh, widespread rollouts of COVID-19 vaccines across the country. Uh, but just in the last couple of weeks, uh, we've seen some harsh winter weather that has stalled some of the vaccine delivery uh, across large portions of the country, including Fort Worth, Texas, uh, where Bill is joining us from today. Um, Bill, is that just a question of supply and demand or uh, are there, uh, the, the winter weather aside, are there specific last mile delivery challenges involved? Uh, yes, there are. Um, Supply and demand is a factor, right? The further we go and the longer we go, you, we are seeing supply pick up. And, and so that that is helping when more doses are hitting the market. However, in, in the last mile, there, there are unique challenges, whether it be from the cold storage or the, the difficulty of, of getting to rural areas or the logistics simply of of having people sign up and get in the right spot at the right time because we have vaccines that have a limited lifespan. Yeah, and, and that's one of the reasons for the uh, cold uh, temperature storage. And, uh, exactly. and it's, something, it's important to remember that uh, that vaccines can be like, uh, you know, produce or some of the food that we get at the grocery that they, they do have a, a, a limited lifetime there. Uh, looking at some of those challenges uh, that you described, um, are, are those universal or are those challenges uh, the same all across the country uh, or are there uh, different hurdles in between, uh, say, urban and rural areas? Well, the, the, the challenges, you know, are the same in the sense of, 
of whether you know if you're in a um, in an urban area, you are going to have those those challenges that I I talked about of the logistics, the signups, etc. But they're complicated, right? In in the rural areas, you, you, not only do you have those, but you have so many more. Um, you have a longer delivery time. We've already talked about the you know the limited life shelf life of of the vaccines. So when you have a longer delivery time, you have less time than that you have on the on the tail end in order to get the the doses into into arms. You also have a lack of storage facilities with the extreme cold uh, storage requirements that are necessary. Uh, a lot of the rural areas don't don't have those capabilities. And and finally, you, you don't have the same access um, when you get out in the rural. You don't have as many pharmacies to where in an urban area you might pass a hundred. You know, whenever you drive a mile and a half. You might, you know, pass two in a 500 mile stretch in, in some of our rural areas. So we, we just don't have the infrastructure out there in order to, to, you know, have the facilities to actually you know, get the shots in, into people's arms. Got it. Really interesting. Yeah. I mean, from the outside, uh, looking at the challenge, um, you know, one imagines that you just put it into a freezer uh, and, and then you're all set for and whatever kind of length of time or distance that you're getting across. But uh, it sounds like it's more complicated than that. Um, you know, when, from your description, uh, you know, one of the problems uh, might be handoffs between the different stages there. Um, such as the truck and then the uh, pharmacy and, and then the uh, doctor's office. Is that right? That, that's exactly right. Uh, you, you have those handoffs and, you know, it, with um, Pfizer coming in lately with their their extreme cold and, and kind of saying that, you know what, it can be effective, um, maybe not being stored at, at such cold tem temperatures for as long a period of time, that is going to help through the process because it's going to enable, uh, you know, more of the outlying areas in order to be able to to use that and, and this gives more vaccines um, uh, capability. So it just increase in that supply side. You're Interesting, right. yeah. Uh, well, aside from the large scale shipments by trucks uh, that, that mm -hmm. I sort of imagine uh, is the, the main way that the vaccine is being uh, moved around the country, are there any other options uh, that might address some of these concerns we've been discussing? Uh, after all, we live in an age when we're starting to hear about e-commerce orders uh, being delivered by uh, by robots on on the sidewalk or uh, or even by air. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. When when you start seeing robots and drones, and you're thinking, okay, can that you know facilitate here? And and it could to some extent in some of the outlying areas. It could help with the speed of of getting. Um, you know, some of the doses out to, to you know, uh, a place that may be difficult to get to. Um, but there are concerns when you do that, right? You have security concerns, you have the cold storage concerns like we were talking about before, you know, so there are some limitations. But I think one of the, the great things that, that we've been able to utilize through this and, and our um, IoT or our Internet of Things is, is sensors. The sensors not only can monitor where they are, but you can track how many you know vials are going to be there. They, we can track the arrival time, so we can do some of our logistics early and, and maybe you know bring some people together in central areas. And with those sensors, we can tell you know temperature and, and the variances. And okay, am I having a problem you know with this one shipment, or maybe I don't have as much time on the back end like I thought I was going to have in order to get it into 
to people's arms or you know what maybe this one is you know this set is hitting the hitting the end of its shelf life and i've just got to get it in arms anybody's arms as fast as i can so you know that's one of the the tools that is, has been very nice coming out of of this and how we can utilize that and getting it more in the mainstream yeah really interesting and uh some some of that latest technology so some of the sensors and and the, the more widespread internet of things networks um you know, did some of those tools um, clearly just weren't available uh, in in the past? Um, I did. Do you, are people learning any kind of lessons uh, from a historical precedent? Is there any um, anything we can learn from history about other uh, big widespread rollouts like this? Well, you know, it's funny. Uh, you you hear the term unprecedented hundreds of times every day. Right. <laughs> so right. it, it is an unprecedented time. However, you know, you're right. We, we can learn from, from past history, whether that be from how we roll out flu vaccines every year. You know, we've been doing that in rural areas, you know, for, for a number of years now and, and coming up with, with new approaches in, in some of our rural areas. You know, maybe we do them in schools or hospitals or, you know, or pharmacies or maybe even grocery stores, you know, that that's the best vehicle, you know. So, so we have learned from past years of that. But there's also other lessons we can learn from from other industries, you know, whether it be, you know, utilizing the sensors better, whether it be, you know, following security protocols. Maybe it's, you know, the the software involved with, you know, scheduling and signups, you know, maybe it's bringing, you know, thousands of people together in in one spot in some rural areas and, and do some of that planning beforehand. So whenever the doses come in, you know, they can get them quickly and everybody's lined up. Um, so there, there are things that we've been able to learn over time that, that we're applying to what is very much an unprecedented time. Right, right. Really interesting. That That's a great point about uh, some of the diversity of locations that you can use. You have to really uh, find people where they are. So uh, looking at this and following it as closely as you have, um, are, are there any uh, best practices that you've seen uh, in various parts of the country that have been uh, the most successful at uh, overcoming some of these challenges? Yeah, um, I think some of the best practices is, is always planning, right? Anything we can do beforehand, the better off we're going to be, whether that be in preparing for, for the software, for, for scheduling, for people to sign up, um, the information flow. A lot of times we, we, we all get frustrated, and it's, it's, it's not because of necessarily the process, but it's because of the lack of information that, that we have. We don't know where we fall in the process. We don't know if our time's up. Um, so I think some of those areas that have, have focused on some of that pre-planning, and, and you can do that now, right? I mean, we're, we're still in the planning stages for some of the um, outlying areas and stuff. So mm -hmm. getting that, that infrastructure in place, if you will, um, but also utilize everything that you have at, at your fingertips, whether it be the sensors, whether it be, you know, cold storage facilities, give yourself as much flexibility as you can in order to maximize each dose. Because as you know, we started off supply has been behind, but it is picking up steam. Um, so these doses are, 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 are like, you know, they're probably probably more important than gold <laughs> as we go through it. They, they, they've got a value that, we, that we're that we placing on them right now. So we yep. just have to maximize them. Got it, for sure. 
Uh, Bill, this has been really interesting. Uh, I've really, learned a lot from our talk, and uh, it, it sounds like you know that there's some good advice here. And, uh, and, and we're just at the beginning of, uh, of what's going to be an ongoing process of, of distributing vaccines to, to all the corners. Uh, I really appreciate your being here with us on the show today. Oh, thank you very much for having me, and, and I enjoyed our time. So thank you. Uh, great. We've had uh, Bill Brooks with us today, uh, and Bill is with, uh, he's, he's the Vice President of North American Transportation Portfolio at Capgemini. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, back to you, Dave. Thank you, Bill and Ben. Now let's take a look at some of the other supply chain news from the week. Victoria, you reported this week on continuing economic expansion in the logistics industry. What is driving this growth? Thanks, Dave. Yes, well, as Bill and Ben were just talking about, it's certainly a busy time in the logistics industry, and it has been uh, since the beginning of the pandemic. We saw a lull after sort of the initial panic buying, but since then, there was a ramp up over the summer, and the industry has been humming along, to say the least. Um, we saw that growth continue in February, and it's really being driven by uh, tight capacity and high prices across the market. Uh, that's according to the latest Logistics Managers Index report, which was released earlier this week. Um, it's also referred to as the LMI, and as many of our listeners know, it, that's, it's a gauge of uh, economic activity in the logistics uh, industry. In February, the index registered 71.4, and that's up about four points from January, and more than, or I should say, nearly 19 points compared to year-ago levels. Uh, just as a little background, the LMI, uh, uh, an LMI above 50 indicates growth in the industry, and below 50 indicates contraction. So we can see there are really strong growth conditions right now. And as I said at the outset, the big story last month was price and cost. Uh, inventory costs, warehousing prices, and transportation prices all reached their highest levels in more than two years last month. And that's basically because demand for logistics service continues to outstrip supply. Um, this is being driven, of course, by changing consumer buying behavior, accelerating e-commerce activity, and demand for last mile delivery, also the vaccines, as we just talked about. So essentially, it's just hard for supply chains to keep up. And we see this also with the congestion at U.S. ports, slowing down supply chains here at home and abroad. And, and the situation is likely to be exacerbated in the months ahead um, by strong consumer and industrial growth, which will likely be driven by, you know, the government, government stimulus spending we're seeing. So there's a lot of factors and the industry is busy, to say the least. Victoria, in your reporting, did you find that there's any relief in sight? Yeah, uh, good question. Not really. Um, transportation and warehousing capacity have been declining for months. Um, and although most of the supply chain executives surveyed for the LMI say they expect capacity to come back online in the next 12 months or so, they say it's unlikely to reach a level that will push supply and demand on par. Uh, LMI researcher Zach Rogers, who I spoke to about the report this week, agrees it will likely take more than a year to build up enough capacity to catch up. So, um, and survey respondents also say they expect prices to con continue to rise. So essentially the supply chain's gotten very expensive and it looks like it's gonna stay that way for a while. Yeah, I, I guess there's only so much that you can pour through a funnel until you get <laughs> sure. a bigger funnel. That's Thank right. <laughs> Thanks, Victoria. You're welcome. And Ben, you wrote this week about a couple of supply chain vendor companies that made major investments to meet growing demand. Can you tell us more? I can, Dave, and uh, this actually really dovetails with some of the trends that Victoria was just describing about um, that the LMI and the uh, high demands for logistics services we're seeing. Uh, you know, keeping those supply chains running uh, smoothly over the past year has been really difficult um, for players uh, on, on all parts of the industry. 
but we got two specific examples uh, of, of how some uh, companies are dealing with that uh, just in the past week. One of them was Project 44, uh, which our readers might have heard about. It's a Chicago-based software and technology provider that uh, helps companies maintain supply chain visibility uh, by supporting real-time tracking of goods in transit. About three months ago, they had landed $100 million in venture capital, so they're very well funded. Uh, and yesterday, they spent some of that backing when they said they had acquired a German company that tracks ocean containers while they're being shipped. So that, of course, extends Project 44's ability to track freight, whether it's in trucks or trains or ships. Uh, it also increases the company's presence in the European freight market, uh, where they see a lot of potential for growth. Uh, also, uh, as well as those justifications, uh, they, they pointed out that it was a very timely move uh, because as the pandemic drags on, um, that just as Victoria had mentioned, uh, that the surging global trade volumes are disrupting a lot of typical supply chain patterns. Uh, they're sending freight rates uh, soaring higher and contributing to some real import delays due to port congestion. Uh, so Project 44's founder and CEO uh, named Jeff McCandless said that while they're hopeful that those container and port roadblocks will ease up soon, the last year has exposed several weak spots for supply chains. Uh, so he believes that his customers need a single supply chain visibility solution across all modes of travel and geography uh, so that they can best re react to those uh, pressures. Yeah, that's very interesting. And you also covered another company that's doing very well in a different sector of the supply chain. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, that's right. Um, it, it, it's interesting. You, we go uh, right, right from the sort of highest of high technology um, with, with uh, Project 44 there um, to also in the same week covering a story about uh, Hytrol. That's a company in Arkansas that makes conveyors. And that's the basic hardware. Um, I, I think all of our readers have seen them found in really every warehouse and it allows workers to move goods around, do their fulfillment tasks, sorting, packing. Uh, so what Hytrol has found is that the big spike in demand for e-commerce we've all seen has pushed likewise demand for their conveyors, specifically the ones designed to handle parcels and poly bags and all the other packages that uh, end up on our doorsteps. It's a good thing, but they were spending so much time making those specialized conveyors that they were even having trouble filling orders for the other models of conveyor that they make. So for the first time since 1962, uh, they expanded into a new factory, uh, but they faced some real challenges to get there because of course, in the middle of a pandemic, uh, they were also in a hurry to add that capacity. Uh, so it, it was interesting. They had to order these powerful lasers they used to cut the steel that uh, formed the conveyors, even before they'd chosen the new location for the factory where the lasers were going to get delivered. And then just as they were making that all work out, um, as we referenced at the top, the whole southwest region of the U.S. was hit with that uh, huge winter freeze that knocked out power and water. Um, but they actually, Hytrol stayed on schedule. And uh, despite those things, they were able to start shipping finished products just 60 days after signing the lease on their new site. Now, that's very impressive to get that new factory up and running so quickly. And it really shows the demand that companies now have for material handling technologies. Thanks, that's exactly Brad. right. We encourage listeners to go to dcvelocity.com for more on these and other supply chain stories. And check out the podcast notes section for some direct links on the topics we discussed today. Thanks, Ben and Victoria, for sharing highlights of the news this week. Thank you, Dave. Always fun. Yes, you're welcome. Good to be here. And again, our thanks to Bill Brooks of Capgemini for being with us today. We encourage your comments on this topic and our other stories. You can email us at podcast at dcvelocity.com. We also encourage you to rate this podcast if your podcast platform allows for that. 
We appreciate your feedback, and it really does help people to find us. And a reminder, Logistics Matters is sponsored by MHS. See why leading supply chain organizations turn to MHS as their trusted integration partner by visiting mhsglobal.com. We encourage you to subscribe to Logistics Matters on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, Pandora, wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for Logistics Matters to find us. Our new episodes are uploaded each Friday. We'll be back again next week with another edition of Logistics Matters, when we'll look at the Biden administration's bold plan to fix some of our nation's broken supply chains. So be sure to join us. Until then, please stay safe and have a great week.